0: Make sure you like, subscribe, and hit that bell icon. Hello and welcome to Let's Sip and Talk with Freeman. So today we have on a very special guest, and I say very because he's a native of my hometown, Orangeburg, and he's doing great things, you know, for the community. He is the author of a best-selling book, um, self-help book of Decisions and Consequences, the founder of a Garden City um, Preparatory Academy for Boys, and he's a member of the 100 Black Men of Greater Columbia. So he does a plethora of things that is given back where we can learn from him. And y'all know how we do on Let's Tip and Talk with Freema. I feel like with interviews, open discussions, and everything, we learn from one another. So it feels good to learn from one of our very own, Mr. Kevin Raspberry. So without further ado, Let's speak with Mr. Kevin Raspberry.
1: Hey, hello. What's up? Hi, how are you doing today? I'll tell you, if I got any better, I couldn't stand it.
0: Okay, well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so, Mr. Raspberry, for the individuals, for the viewers that may not really know you, for the ones that may be in a whole other city or state, can you give us a little background of you?
1: Um, So, of course, I am from the Berg, uh, Orangeburg, South Carolina. Um, represent that anywhere I go. Um, I'm I'm what they call a hill kid. I grew up on the hill. And so it's um, a story of trials for me. Um, I think I had great parents, um, but my environment, of course, was a challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, Academically, I struggled. Um, From a, a kind of a social standpoint, I struggled. So I always had to try to fit in. So being an athlete, um, football was kind of my way of fitting in. But um, the struggles of my, you know, being in, in school was just sometimes overwhelming because I just, I tried my hardest. Like I would study all night and still did not do well in school.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so um, it was one of those situations where I had to tap into you know, my my people that was around me and my talents for me to to kind of you know move on. And so ended up, um, I was scared to death to go to college. So I went in the military. And when I got in the military, you know, I learned how to learn. And with that, I ended up uh, being an Army Ranger. And so um, that in itself was, is a whole nother life. Because, you know, they kind of program you to really be numb to the effects of the world and just do your job. Right. And so, um saw a lot that I wish I, you know, sometimes I wish I didn't see, but um it taught me perspective, it right. taught me it kind of um helped add to the the form, you know, the foundation that my parents had already given me of understanding the world is not fair. Right. And and so you you make room for yourself whether that's you know pushing something over, rebuilding something, whatever the case may be. So, um, kind of went off from there. Um, it was a uh, very celebrated soldier, soldier of the year twice. Wow, um, I helped arrest Manuel Noriega. Just a lot that happened in my military career, and then um, I got out because um, I, was, I was telling them all the time, Man, I'm from Orangeburg, man. I ain't supposed to, be I, I mean, we get shot at in Orangeburg, but we don't get shot at like this, right? <laughs> I mean, I said, this is a lot of dodging that I got to do. So I wanted to get out and and um, kind of went to uh, uh, some years of kind of floating. Um, and then I lost my father two months after I got out. My son was two months old and he got killed by a drunk driver. And so anybody who knows me would tell you if my daddy told me that a black pen was red, the, the black pen was red. I, I did whatever my pops told me. I followed him everywhere, and so that was devastating to me. Um, I never really saw the world the same after losing him. Because um, matter of fact, he was on his way home, and for he and I, it was going to be our first time cooking like Thanksgiving dinner together. And so, um, it, it, it that was tough. And I, I gotta say, I still struggle with that, but. The years after that, probably the three, four years after that, it felt like I was in a cloud. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, but I, I held my son and my daughter real tight. Um, um, I, I raised them in Orangeburg by myself for 13 years, and uh, never really dated, did anything like that. But I really focused on them. But when they went, when they moved on, and they wanted to kind of go back and be with their mom, I, I really tried this education thing. Like, man, I got to do better. Even though I had a great job uh, in Orangeburg, I had a great job, but I just needed more. Nice. So, And I wanted to feel more accomplished, so I went. Uh, my mentor, Dr. George Bradley, was at Claflin at the time, and uh, he called me into a meeting. And uh, him and Dr. Tisdale sat me down and said, look, we need you to be the springboard of this program that we want to start. It was evening, evening school for students at Claflin. Okay. I was like, Doc, man, I struggled so bad in school, bro. He said, yeah, but this is different. So got into class, man, and, and things kind of started to change for me. Uh, even though I was in school, I had my kids. I was mentoring other black boys. And so that kind of transformed into me doing it a lot. I mean, like, everybody wanted me to work with their sons and they started, you know, nicknaming me the black boy whisperer and all this other foolishness. But I just really um, understood their plight. You know what I mean? And so um, it really bothers me <clears throat> to see kids embrace poverty when they're born into it. Um, when it's yeah. it's that's not your choice. You know, your dad, your dad isn't there. I get it. Cry about it. Get over it. Because guess what? If he's coming back, he would have been here by now. You know what Absolutely. I mean? So um, really uh, began to push them and, uh you know, really thought about how can I do this more? Because even though I mentor them, when they go home, you know, they're back in those same situations and circumstances again. And so, man, I, I sat down and prayed about this thing and talked to my sister, who's my spiritual advisor. She's out the oldest of my siblings. And she was just like, look. You know, thank God has put something in you to to really be able to effectively communicate, you know, with these kids. And so um just really dug in and then um, had an idea. So, man, I think what if I had them in school all day? What if I had them to where I know like that they're eating, that they're clean, they got on clean clothes, their thoughts are clear. And, and so I developed the school. Mm. The problem was at the time, it was illegal to have a single gender public school in South Carolina, but they were, you know, really advocating for it, really pushing it. And so, um, I, you know, I'm sitting here writing the charter for this thing. And at the same time, I'm the caregiver for my mom, one of the strongest people I ever knew in my life. I'm taking her to MUSC every morning Mm. to get chemo in the morning and the radiation in the afternoon, you know, she had never been sick all her life. She never had a cold or anything. And at 68, they told her she had what's called ghost cancer. And that means it, it just jumps to all different parts of your body. And so that was a struggle for me, but she told me one day, she said, you know, that these kids need you. Right. Um, we're giving you all the tools. And so now you can't be selfish and keep them you got to pass them on. And so I wrote the charter. And a lot of people don't know that. I wrote the charter for the school um, while my mom was dying.
0: Mm. I don't see how you were capable of doing that. How were you able to focus?
1: So my mom is one who says that we have to deal with the cards that we are dealt with. And so she's like, look, don't you punk out on us you got to go help these kids. This is what God got for you to do. And so I was like, mom, but you know, I don't really have the time because I was living in Lexington. So I would leave my house five o'clock in the morning, go pick my mom up in Orangeburg by 545 and we'd be at the MUSC. This was every day. Wow. Wow. So I was I was kind of retired at the time. I was sitting back and um, just because she said, you know what, I'm good. She said, I'm I'm going to be on, I'm going home to be with the Lord. You don't need to worry about me. I need to worry about you. No. And so um after her funeral, um really kicked it into high gear. Mm. And um when I finished the charter, I sent it to them. And the couple of days after that, they had approved for it to be single gender public schools in South Carolina. And so we, we got the charter and we were the first single-gender public school in the history of South Carolina, and it was founded by an African-American.
0: Making history. Made history. Hey.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I I think a lot of times that I feel like I failed.
0: Why do you say that?
1: Um, Because they ended up closing the school, and the reason why it, it they didn't look at it from the academic standpoint. They looked at it from, um, okay, yeah, you're doing well with these kids, and We were the only school in the state of South Carolina that had no suspensions, no expulsions the whole time we had that school. 97.9% daily attendance rate. Um, But it didn't make them look good, right? Because most of the kids I got was four, five, sixth grade levels behind. And we started at sixth grade. And um, they covered up a lot of the testing that we did. Standardized testing proved, once they closed us, I had a friend of mine, he is over Erskine um, Charter Institute right now, Mr. V. He called me, and he said, Raspberry, I want to talk to you in private. He said, man, listen, um, man, we were fighting for you, because we know those kids need you. Right. But he said, I want to show you something. And they told us that almost all of our kids failed standardized testing. But he showed, He pulled it out, and they gave the state. Um one kid who did not do well and he was a he had autism. And but they didn't report 76% of the boys that we brought from uh that first, second grade level up to fifth, right. fourth and a half, fifth, sixth, seventh grade level. They didn't report any of that. You know what I mean? And he said, I know that they um felt you didn't have the kind of support that you know, people would really, you know, show out about this. But um it made me feel good for a minute, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, it's like, man, I ain't got my boys around me. Um just the things that I did for them, I did that school like they were my own kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? I took them to uh Morehouse to uh, physically touch you know the statues of MLK and sit in the 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 chairs of Samuel Jackson Mm -hmm. and Spike Lee. Um, they got to touch the road, you know, that, that uh, Barack Obama wore when he came there, we went over to Spelman and they understand, you know, if you know anything about Morehouse and Spelman, that they're like really attached. Right. And so um, Harvard had sent us invitations to bring them because they really wanted to bolster their African-American male um, students, um, College of Charleston had us down, I don't know how many times, um, you know, the Atlanta Braves, CNN, I took those kids everywhere. I did haircuts every week. Um, I did uh, toiletries, um, their uniforms, if the parents couldn't afford it, I said, don't worry about it. We were buying uniforms, shoes, everything. And so it was a very challenging time for me when the clothes us mm-hmm. because it was bigger than education to me. Right, they got to see uh, a black man that cared about them. Um, you know, everybody always on me about the way I dress, and they always talk about this and that. And those kids, they, Mister Raz, you know, you got to put me on with that swag. I'm like, you know, and so whatever I could do to make them smile and make them happy um, is what I did. And, and I remember the day that it closed, and I had to sit and talk to them about, look, yeah, I need y'all to go out here and represent GCP. You got to go back into these schools. I know they don't like y'all. And so for some of them, um, probably 60% of them, they didn't do well going back in just because of how we did you know, with them. But um, a lot of them didn't. We have kids. I got a kid, man. He was at the top of the gang board in, in Orangeburg, and uh, his mom brought him to me. He said, He's probably the only one I know who can reach it. Mm. And uh we we really work with him and he's won state two state championships in basketball, doing well academically, he's got all these scholarships. And if there's nothing else, you know, I, I got those one or two more more like 50. But um we got kids who graduated a year early. We got all of this other stuff. But it's still frustrating to me that Um, I'm not there with them, you know, as much as I used to be because I know everybody don't care about them. They're a number, you know. So kind of went past that. I had a good friend of mine. He asked me to come down to uh, McCormick. I went down there and I was uh, director of public relations down there. So got to work with some more rural kids and started seeing the same things. Like people were mad with me because I was bolstering these kids' resume to. Colleges and that type of thing, and so, um, I was like, you know what, maybe it's time for me to step back, yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. And so, um, I stepped back for a minute, um, you know, I was doing the pity party thing, and for me, I have a lot of uh, people who watch what I say, they watch what I do, and uh, I had some some brothers, and now for me. I always I'm transparent enough to tell people all the mistakes I made. Right. Um, you know, I, I was never a good boyfriend. I was never a good husband, that type of thing. And I just had to step back and say, OK, Kevin, you got to fix some stuff about you. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until uh, I had a couple of friends of mine, I was really going through a bad time. I was getting ready to go through this divorce and a lot of people didn't understand that divorce because they like you, y'all were perfect. You know, everybody loved marriage based on y'all, but they don't know the stuff I'm going through. Right. You know what I'm saying? I-, I sleep probably three hours a night mm. because I'm a PTSD vet. I'm
2: mm-hmm.
1: shot in the military. You, know, you-, you have retired. That's what we use the word the term. I've retired a lot of people in this world to save this country. So you, you- but you really relive that stuff. And two brothers, man, I give a lot, well, three, I give a lot of credit for, for me even being able to do what I do now, is uh, Representative uh, Jermaine Johnson um, here in Columbia, uh, Attorney James Shad, and uh, Andre Barnes. And those guys came to me in an hour that I felt like, you know what, God, I'm done with this. Get me I'm done. I'm tired. You know. People start throwing wounds out there. You're stealing money. You're doing all this other stuff at the school. That's why they closed you. I put a hundred thousand dollars in my retirement mm. school, and so it's. And I was just tired. And they came in here and they're like, "Dude, look, I don't care how you feel. This com- these communities and these kids can't continue to make it without you being here. So you can't you can't overwrite God's plan, and so." Um, sat back and started reading. Of course, during the course a lot of these, I wrote two different books, um, Decisions and Consequences, the realities of being a man, and it's a lot of the dumb stuff we do. Um, we think that um, we can walk away from children that we make. Yeah. Um, that we can disrespect you know the women that we make with. Yeah. Um, that we are so hard and we this that and the other thing. And and this is a just a waste of breath, in all actuality. And so um, I met up with a good friend of mine, um, Tangi um, probably the best playwright in the country that is just um, under wraps. Uh, and we took one of my books and um, we talked about it. I talked to her about all the struggles and stuff I went through. Right. Nice. And we wrote the play. Um, she, I, and Donna Johnson wrote Confessions of a Good Man, mm. and so, um, that play ran for seven years, Wow! Um, always sold out, um, it was phenomenal, but every character in that play was representative of me at some point in my life, wow. and so, um, Really excited. I was all I'm always excited about that to talk to the guys who are in that. Um, Dion Jennerette, um, Will Young, um, Ben, I mean Benzel, just all the cats who played in it. And it just that gave me a lot more energy to move on and to continue to help people. And so after that play, one day I was walking at the library. I was just going to read some stuff. And I saw um Dr. Davis, Dr. Baron Davis, the superintendent of uh, Richmond School District Two, mm-hmm. and he told me, he said, "Man, what you doing now?" And I said, "I'm just chilling. I'm at the house. You know, I'm I'm a dad. You know, I got four kids, well, two adults and two two kids." And he's like, "Look, oh, I think I need somebody like you in the district." I'm like, "God, what you talking about doing? Teaching?" I'm "Oh
0: man, <laughs> I, said, oh, I was
1: really you back into the children. Oh, man, Doc. I struggled so bad in school. And I said, He said, man, I'm telling you, I think that you have developed a unique skill set that, um, no offense, but most teachers don't have. They have content knowledge. But you have content knowledge and life experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that our kids, not just our Black kids, but all of them, you know, can really learn from you i'm like oh my god you're dragging me and i don't feel like dealing with people, kids like this no more and i've been there now going on four years wow and uh just got a call this morning you know from one of my students man you know a young white girl and she called me up and and all the kids now call me Big um. and so she just wanted to you know talk about what her future looks like because she's sick of living in poverty and i told him you know, when you're born in poverty, it's, it's organic motivation. You know what I mean? It, it's you know who who's born in poverty and and then it gets to see the other side and wants to stay in poverty. Right, absolutely. So um, it's kind of me. You know, I'm I'm uh, you know I'm newly married. I'm I'm happily married. I'm um, excited about life. We have you know two three businesses going and and uh, but I, I refuse to stop teaching because I'm really reaching. Um, some folks, and so
0: right. reaching out. finishing up. Yeah,
1: I'm finishing up. Um, uh, actually, today I'm doing the finishing credits of the Berg Orangeburg Black History. Uh, Is a, a Black History book for our kids to see, not just people who did great things in 1800 and but 1952, but some that's relevant to now. And where so parents would say, "I
0: went to school with you know," or "I knew right. when this happened." Yeah.
1: we we need to show them um, you know in the 100 Black Men we have this motto what they see is what they'll be and so we need to um, put in front of them all of this greatness the Donnie Abrahams the the, the Wayne Harpers you know the mayor um, of there in Orangeburg the first Black mayor Um, there's a lot um, of role models that our kids can see but we just have to put them out there
0: and that'll help them understand that just because, like you said, we're living in poverty or living in this area it's still hope. They still can do it. So they need to Absolutely. know. this stuff. Yeah. But the thing
1: that a lot of people don't know, and here's the crazy thing. Orangeburg, South Carolina is number six, number five, I think in the nation with the percentage of black people um, based per capita. Mm-hmm. So but also it is an area that has the most successful black people in this country. So you didn't know that. Absolutely. This book, I'm right now, I was just showing my wife. I'm on this book is up to 262 pages.
0: And you're still not done. Still more to go.
1: I, here's the thing. I had to break it up in volumes, right? So we're doing volume one this year, and next year we'll do volume two. And I don't know everybody who is successful in black from Orangeburg. So I got to kind of reach out to everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm up to 262 of just who I know. Wow. That's amazing. And research.
2: That you makes know? me feel so, good. You get what I'm saying? It makes you feel
1: people, good. See, a lot of people don't know. People like Eartha Kip. It's from Orangeburg. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it, it, oh, my goodness. We wow. can go on and Don Corvey and all these cats. And so... I I was hearing about how people are really down. Um, Carl Williams got killed recently, uh, the teacher in Orangeburg. Mm -hmm. We grew up together. Here's the saddest part. The kids who killed him, he taught them. Mm. Right? The house where they killed him at, his mom used to feed them. You know what I mean? And I get it. I understand, you know, uh, black crime may be on a a high, whatever they want to call it. But we've had great success that we don't need to wash down just because something is happening now. It's, it's kind of life, you know what I mean? And so we really got to promote the successes that we have. Anybody who's from Orangeburg who is ashamed to be from Orangeburg, they are, they are out of their mind. That Orangeburg is probably the most proficiently successful Black community in the history of the United States.
0: We're gonna have to retitle this um interview, you know, to because to, I need a lot of people to know this because honestly, I did not know that. And I, I I've been here since I was three years old, you know. Uh oh, my mom didn't tell me that because she probably don't know that. Right. So- you know, and and just to back up just a little bit, when you mentioned you felt you failed, but sometimes you know we we feel that way. Or we go through these things because it's something greater that you're going to achieve. And this right here, this book that you're writing about Black history of our own town, this is that's amazing. That yeah, is going to hit so many other, not just the children, but the adults in this community right, as well.
1: Right? Oh yeah, it's to see. um, One of our honorees is uh, Craig Mm Woolley. And so Craig does a lot in the community. You know, he doesn't have four or five degrees and he doesn't run a big uh, Fortune 500 corporation, but he also is not one who's scared to put his feet on the ground and talk to our kids and motivate them, show them where he's come from. And I know a lot of people may have been shocked that, that I honored him and being in this book, but he's an example because more, more people than not are going to graduate high school and go get a job. So, but at the same time, what are you doing for the community? Right. You right. know, there's a lot of people who are wildly successful. We are, I'm telling you, it's more uh NFL uh athletes in the state of South Carolina that's come from Orangeburg that's been successful on the NFL level than anywhere else in South Carolina. Yeah. Right. But then a lot of people might say, well, why is Orangeburg downtown struggling or why is this struggling? I don't know. I, I, but I do know we got the successful people who can change it. Right, But we got kids that sitting in the classrooms right now who can change it. And, you know, that's no right. offense to George Washington or whoever else they want to show them when it comes to history. I think that we have moved to the point that we need to show them relevant history that Absolutely. speaks to them, that shows them. You know, man, I grew up in Roosevelt Gardens and, and, and I'm struggling. My homeboy, um, Divine Dancer, grew up in Roosevelt Gardens. Terrence McLean grew up in Roosevelt Gardens, but Terrence McClain is a guidance counselor here in Columbia at a school. Dave Vine is one of the most successful uh, rap artists that converted to Christians. Um, I could go on and on. You know what I'm saying? People from the Hill. Howard Jackson. He was the head of voter registration in the state of South Carolina. Ronald Richard. He's a Secret Service agent that is uh, that protected Michelle Obama. Tracy mm. Evans. He he protected um, President Obama. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there is more uh, that we have success than we've had failures. Um, I talk I talk to people a lot. About Michael Hackett, right? Um, Michael Hackett, you know, one of those '70s guys that just did what he did. And everybody talks about Wilt Chamberlain, how he scored 100 points. And Michael Hackett play always played overseas, and he scored 103 points in a one game from Orangeburg, South Carolina, off of Gramlin Street. See, we don't know
0: that. You know I me mean,
1: that That's there's you. you can't. It's hard for me almost to really, like, pick one person. I, I could just sit here and ramble through my mind. I think about Lena we Dr. Lena with that's in Orangeburg right now, that was the uh, superintendent down in uh, District 2, I think, it was, wherever Edisto District is. And now she's a chief uh, with District 5, I mean, with Orangeburg District now. Um, Jerry Gobain, um, you know, is, is originally from Coach Pugh, is originally from Orangeburg. I could go on. Shelton Benjamin, who wrestles in WWE every week, is off of Kinley Road in Orangeburg. You know what I mean? This and is so, powerful. I, I, don't I don't know if you know it, but I just gotta say this. I don't know if you
0: know it, but this is some powerful, powerful information. Because um, yes, it is. April, she said, this is some good information. It. I'm 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 wild right now. You have blown my mind
1: because oh, man, honestly. May first, the book comes out, so uh, you can you can sit down and cry uh, in your house when you look at. Uh, think about this, Dr. Jesselyn Gibbs Brown. A lot of people have no idea who this is. She was the superintendent um, of District uh, Three, but it's the Utahville and um, um, the Advance and all of those schools that's down there. This sister is from Utahville. She uh, was the head of school transformation, the director for the state of South Carolina. She was over everybody who had charter schools. She was over all of the funding that went to charter schools. And this chick grew up in Utahville. And nobody knows. She teaches at USC right now, Dr. Brown. She's also an attorney. I mean, wow. I, I could, I, any kid who came to me and say, I want to do XYZ I have somebody in their Black history who has done the same and been wildly exactly. successful.
0: See, that's the point. They know, after this, they're going to know, I can do it without, oh, no, this, this is, this is, I mean, my cousin, too. It,
1: um,
0: it starts with you, starts with us.
1: Oh yeah, my cousin is uh, George Dean. Um, he uh, had Deans downtown, right? And everybody okay. knows Deans because man could go down there and you get the finest suits, shoes, ties, yeah. whatever. But nobody knew back in the day. He was the only black person who was in the National Guard who was called to South Carolina State when they had the Orangeburg massacre. He was yeah. the only black in the National Guard. Yeah. Huh? my ex my ex-wife, her that her uncle was Delano Middleton. One the, the young kid who was at Wilkinson High School, who was sitting on a step waiting on his mom to get off work to walk her home. And he got killed. My 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 ex- my stepfather told uh my my stepfather, my father-in-law told me he got killed in my jacket. I gave him my jacket killed. it was cool that night. Um so yeah, it, it's we have so much history, y'all. Y'all have absolutely no idea the gym um and the stock that we come from. Absolutely no I idea.
0: Did. I promise you I, I had no clue. I had no mm-hmm. clue. Um, April said, How do we get the book? So it'll be out May 1st. So where yeah. where can we order this book from? Yeah, you'll
1: order it from Amazon and it'll okay. be the bird. Um, Orangeburg Black History from humble beginnings to success. And so um, Mayor Butler is in there. Uh, Gee whiz, I'm trying to think. Um, We have have districts that are in there that you may not know about. Um, We have churches in there that were safe havens for the civil rights movement during that time. Um, We have uh, folks who have gone on um, Vondre Whaley is from right there in Orangeburg. And he is one of the leading principals uh, in Columbia. Um, he is the principal of Keenan High School. Um, it's, oh my God, I just, y'all have no idea.
0: I'm like lost for words, to be honest with you. But I, I do have a quick question. Do you believe um, that everything happens for a reason? How do you feel about that phrase, that statement? Do you Everything happens
1: for a reason. Here's I do because something has to happen for you, right? There has to be an experience for it to be wisdom, Mm -hmm. right? You can read and read and read. That's knowledge. When you go through something and when you see something, that's wisdom. Right. Because now you you can teach that from a passionate standpoint and someone who's been through it.
2: Mm -hmm. So now
1: you can, it's a little more... Uh, vivid, right? I tell people all the time. Everybody wants to have CWP. Everybody wants to carry a weapon, but I promise you, you don't want somebody's death on your conscience. Right. I've I've been there. I've done that. Was my job, and I suffered through it from that was the late eighties, early nineties. It's twenty twenty one, and I still go through this at night. So, wisdom is experience, right? Education is just us reading somebody else's experiences. Right. You know what I mean? So it is one that um, I think you had to, you need experiences. I'm a man of faith, so I believe that your challenges are tests from God, basically saying, you know what? Go over there and challenge Kevin. Go and take that school from him. Matter of fact, take his house, mm-hmm. take his cars, all that. Because he believed me, he's going to be fine. He's, right. The next house he has is going to be twice as big as the one. He has. He's going to end up with two cars instead of That's one. That's why
0: I ask you that. You knew <laughs> I was taking it. That's why I ask you that because of what you mentioned earlier that I hope you won't say again about the F word, failing. Yeah. But yeah. I, 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 mean, I, I, I felt like right. it
1: at that time, you know, simply because um, I couldn't take them with me.
2: Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? That's tough when you know it's a kid going back to a tough situation. And I can't take him with me. I can't keep them safe. You know, do you so, think
0: if you still had Garden City Preparatory Academy, do you think you would have written the bird Black History? Do you think you would have been doing that if you oh, if the academy still up and
1: running? Well, I was researching it for for a while. Okay. Okay. Um probably before then, because I'm I'm that kid that grew up with the parents who went to Wilkerson High School. Mm. When it's when it was still segregated schools in Orangeburg, so um, I always heard about how good the football team was and how my aunt and how they had one of the best basketball programs in the country, but couldn't play in the state finals because they didn't have any white players mm. or the team. But it's segregated, so you took you took it away from them. You know what I mean? But they can beat anybody you on the, put on the court. So that's why they don't put them on the court. So I've been studying that for a long time. Matter of fact, I'll mess you up. We had uh, Garden City Prep mm-hmm. was on the property of the only black boy and girl camps back in the day in the state of South Carolina. Oh, wow. and, and right now, Ocab owns them. Oh, owns the boy, the one the boys had. They had already lost the one the girls had, and. Uh, uh, Bernie Wright was the head of USDA. He's one of my mentors as well. He uh, secured that land for us. And so it's, it's, and it can't be deeded to anything or anybody that is not about um, the evolution of black boys or black girls. Right. That's
0: amazing, though. That's amazing. We definitely need that. And just to go back really quickly, when you mentioned um, Craig Worley yourself, a lot of people don't understand that when you're relatable, when you can relate to certain situations, you can get to kids or even adults better that way because you can relate to what they're going through, what they went through, rather than someone who's never been there before trying to teach them something or how to live in 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 the way they're living. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So a lot of us don't don't
1: understand
0: I, it.
1: you know what? And the one of the other reasons I'm doing this book is we have to increase the value of our communities. Um everybody who's in this book came from a humble situation. Mm-hmm. Um and they turned it into success through hard work, um, dedication, preparation. And I think that we owe it to our generations now because let's be truthful, we don't raise our kids right now the way that we were raised. I know I don't and I didn't. I'm hard on my kids, I'm hard on boys, but I didn't raise them the way that my parents raised me. Um, I couldn't eat unless I could spell and say, what was on the cereal
2: box
1: mm. um, my mom wouldn't let me um i could always read i was always literate but i wasn't always articulate and what that took was me grant you know growing in confidence it took me um learning about the world it took me losing you know the people who meant the most to me mm-hmm. and i tell people all the time i'm a grown-up orphan i don't have any grandparents i don't have any parents and I have one or two aunts left, and I have my siblings. Um, but then when I prayed, God said, you got more than enough. More than enough. And then you got me. Right. You know what I mean? So it is, we we have to look at the reality of what our kids face. But I think we cannot totally erase um, or forget history and say, oh, that's how it was back then. That's how this is that." They need to know that. They need to see that to understand what's in them, what they came from. You know what I mean? Um, Dixon's shoe shop in Orangeburg. You know, that lady created this store um, to fix people's shoes because blacks couldn't afford to always go buy new ones. Just bring them here. We'll fix them. We got you. You know, buff buff them up. They look brand new. You know, we we talk about... um, um, uh, Kitty College, you know, um, and I can't tell you how many people I know who went through Kitty College um, and are wildly successful. because Their parents had to work; they needed somebody to help them, and that type of thing. We we can't um, forget about those times. And and again, I told people when I'm writing this book, I know I've forgotten a lot of people that probably need to be in this book. Right. But that's why there's a volume one, two, and however many more we need. Yeah, to do. you
0: can always add them in. Right. As you so, yeah, that's amazing. Kudos to you, Mister Raspberry. That is very amazing.
1: Hey, I, I try to get in where I fit in.
0: <laughs> it was meant for it to go that route. It was meant. This is just you. This is what it's for. It's helping. It's helping all of us. So just to yeah, get the motivation that yeah, I kids- can.
1: You know, but when you're givers. Um, being a giver is very painful. Yeah. It is extremely painful because you know what? As a giver, when you give, no matter I don't care how grounded you are in faith, mm-hmm. you're going to have an expectation that people say thank you or they're grateful. And it's not always the case. It's
0: not always the case.
1: But it's not, that's not the currency that we should look to receive. Right. You do from the goodness of your heart. And if somebody gives to you or says thank you, that's fine. You're doing your part. Mm-hmm. And and we have to get to that part and get past that part mm-hmm. and and understand that, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be.
0: Absolutely. and And I say all the time, you know, you can't expect everyone to act as you would act or or you know do say thank you because you will say thank you you can't you have to accept people for who they are you can't expect a you out of somebody else you you just can't do it right you can't expect that from from people you can't just because you know that's
1: a part of why great people are not especially great athletes they're not great coaches And the reason why they're not great coaches is because their expectation is everybody they're coaching should have the same result that they had.
2: Mm.
1: It's impossible. It's impossible. Uh, It's one of the reasons why I'm so glad Michael Jordan is not a coach who could live up to, you know, the expectations of this. You know, it's one of those where I hope LeBron James never becomes a coach. There's no way they can live up to that. You have to tap into their best ability. But that takes us investing in them to know who they are to be able to get the best out of them.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. That takes time, patience, work. But yeah, you can't expect them to be a you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What works for them.
1: And that's like a mother. It's almost like a mother expecting all of her kids to do do and be the exact same. Right. you know my mom and my dad i'm glad they were um, tough love type parents because that that's the only way I made it through um my 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 siblings <laughs> here's the crazy thing now you imagine being in the house you're the youngest of four and all of your siblings have made a's all through school mm. elementary middle school high school they've never gotten anything less than an a on their report card and here comes me. Lord help me. I'm coming through and my dad tells you to tell me, boy, your report card looked like it's stuttering. D D D D D D D. <laughs> I mean, that was, I just yeah, you hear Lord with that son, you did. My dad did the best I could. I thought I did better. And and it was, they were academically, um, that's their talent.
2: Mm -hmm. but then my
1: dad started to pick up on my talent being a people person being a leader um that type of thing and so he would give me different responsibilities than he would give them um I was one of those kids I was cooking Sunday dinner at nine yeah you know my parents taught me to do that because they felt that Life is going to be a little bit harder for me because my academics weren't the best. So we got to prepare you. Right. And because of my uh, failures um, in marriages and relationships and things like that, if I did not have that. I wouldn't be here. Right. I'm I'm, I'm being honest with you. Um, you know, I tell people uh, all the time about things that's happened to me in my life. And my neighborhood was tough, and so it was one of those, it, it was so tough that I had to deal with, uh, you know, being raped by girls twice before I'm 10. Mm. So can you imagine what my relationship was going to be with a girlfriend in middle school or high school? You see what I'm saying? It's, it's you know, it, it's it's rough at, at best. You know what I mean? And so... Um, in our communities, we don't talk much about therapy and that type of thing. And I, I definitely couldn't go to my parents. I well, didn't think I could.
0: You didn't think that you
2: know,
1: was say, even right you know, to even want to go to therapy, or- right? You, you know, in my neighborhood, you were supposed to be excited as a boy that had girls jump you. You know, I, I almost couldn't imagine mm-hmm. telling somebody that I felt violated in that. But it changes your That's mindset. That. To be honest with you, I think that's why I was such a great soldier, was because I was numb to people's sadness, mm. for their potential death, with us being around. You know, I was in a unit that we chased terrorist groups. Um, that was our job, right? We chased Bin Laden, we, we chased um, Saddam Hussein. We, we just that was our job. So to break up terrorist camps and to um, be aware of little 8 9 year old kids who are coming up to you to ask you for m ms candy but they get, but they're strapped with a bomb and that type of thing and so you know what do you do those decisions that you have to make that stuff can extremely screw you up
2: yeah and when
1: you, when you have to come back to society and be a, a rational person who goes to the mailbox and don't have issue because someone looks at you right or be at a baseball game and people can walk behind you Um, But I I think Orangeburg prepared me for a lot of that, Um, my parents and my grandparents, my best friends, parents. um, And so um, but at some point. We have to embrace um, the the, what God has for us as far as healing. Um, Here's something I learned that healing very rarely looks like what you think it should be very rarely looks that way right you know most of us feel like um well you've been hurt in a relationship a guy lied to you he cheated on you and now you are with uh, this new guy and he's nice to you he cooks for you um but he doesn't work he doesn't protect you he doesn't take care of you um so you're confused like oh yeah man, god he's a good guy but okay and then, then then you get that question from God well who said he's a good guy you know what I'm saying so we got to really understand what healing is for us it's different for everybody you know not. and so i I, I yeah. do I, I go through that a little bit every day um but I'm transparent I tell people all about me and tell my kids all about me um I think that's um, one of the reasons that I've ended up being a successful dad. Is because I didn't assume anything. I listened to him, you know, and sometimes you you don't want to listen to it like that. Right. I'm one of those dads who if if my son got to tell me something and profanity slips out, you know, I'm not going to beat his brains out. But I'm going to help him understand that um, when a grown man is cussing in a conversation, it is an example that he doesn't fully know how to express what's on his mind. You know what I mean? So it's so it's things like that that we grow into. Um, And in my life, um, the failures and successes that I've had in certain things, all basically is put in the instruction manual for me. I tell people all the time, I can never tell you what to do, but I guarantee you I can tell you what not to do. (laughs) I can almost promise you I've done it. I've had a ton of money. I've had houses, all this other stuff Had cars. And in in three different instances, I've lost everything. Right mm. at one point, I was homeless for a little while, and but I always relied on what my parents taught me. Right, you know, the world okay. owes you absolutely nothing. nothing.
2: You owe yourself absolutely everything. everything.
1: So, you know, you got to put how, where you going to work. You know, my dad told me, you don't ever let anybody outwork you. You don't have to be the smartest person. You know, you don't have to be best dressed. You don't have to have the most money, but you for sure need to be the one who outwork everybody. That's where this yeah. that's comes from. So that's a part of my work ethic. Um, it's one of the reasons people be inboxing me one, two o'clock in the morning. Raspberry, if you're not asleep, go to sleep.
2: <laughs>
1: I know you might have me a rough night and that type of thing. So, um, man, I work my butt off to be able to um, be there and be the conduit not just my children but the 160 kids I teach a day and the 2,000 kids we have in our building who when they see me I can't have a bad day yeah when they see me they expect what's what's Gucci what's what's right. going on you know what I'm saying how you feeling baby you know I, I tell everybody around the school what's up nephew what's up niece <laughs> and so if they don't see that something is wrong is
0: yeah yeah and then we feed off each other' energy, you know, because now they' concerned as to what's going on with Onk, you know. So yeah, gotta no. have that smile on the face.
1: Absolutely, yeah. This is um, and and when I do things like this, I remember when I was talking to Alan. Is uh, I used to speak a lot, and i am kind of pulled back on it because um, I felt like um, my mentees, um, the Kyle Greens of the world, the, the Derek Pews. Um, the Terrence Tuck, that these guys, it was time for their platform, you know, to really get out there and grow. And they're doing great. They're doing well. They just all did one together. But I think that there is still time and there are still um, certain avenues that I still have to make sure that I occupy because um, everybody is not as transparent, maybe not as forthcoming, Mm-hmm. but um, their expectations and standards may not be as high for people because they feel like, eh, when well, they're going through stuff. You know, I, I'm one of those, in you know, my kids that go through poverty that don't have dads, I'm the other mm-hmm. side of it's okay. I'm that guy that says, you know what, when the last time you saw your dad? Oh, I'm 16, I saw him when I was three. Okay, so let's look at it like this. Mm-hmm. The likelihood of him coming through the door tomorrow, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. The likelihood of you really reliving today is not going to happen. So why are you continually losing days, waiting for something that's already done all it's going to do?
2: Right.
1: It's not ain't your fault. That's why you sitting here taking all this in and being hurt by this. I'm trying to show you how to be the best you. I'm showing you how to make sure that you're not the dad that got the doggone nerve to leave your kids that you made. So, you know, don't tell me about your dad because you can't tell me about your dad. If you could tell me about him, this is different. All you can tell, Mr. Razby, he left. Yep, I'm sorry. But look, let me show you. How to not repeat this.
0: Right. How to not leave, how to want to be there with your kids. Yeah. Right.
1: There's no yeah. way, there's no way I can fix how you feel about your dad not being there. I, I can't do that. I'm not a licensed therapist. My job is to educate you and prepare you to not be that kind of guy.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think have- I hurt
1: you feel. You got to do That's
0: the truth. We need to focus on okay, today, your future, what we can do, and not. Something in the past that we can't change.
1: Right. Can't change. Absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. So um, but for me, I, I can say a lot of folks there. I had somebody tell me, said I need to write a book on my life. I said, well, not very many people, I think, will read that because my life has been all about challenges. You know. But
0: you, you they can kind of see how to overcome those challenges, you know.
1: But you know what? Here's something that I learned. Uh, Earl Middleton is from Orangeburg. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Earl Middleton is probably one of the most successful black men in the history of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Quite possibly the nation. His son is my mentor, Kenneth Middleton. He owns uh, Middleton uh, Insurance and Middleton Real Estate. But Mr. Earl Middleton was a Tuskegee Airman. This, This man has had his college degrees. Uh, He was a house of representative. He owned, uh, he started a real estate firm that was so impressive that it was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, He owned uh, Middleton Insurance. And this guy, right, was dealt all of these curveballs. But this guy that Nobody really gave a whole lot of credit to. This guy had President George Bush get on a plane and fly to South Carolina just to give him the award that all Tuskegee Airmen got. Wow. This uh, this guy is the guy that presidents, vice presidents and secretary of state would call to get his advice on Mm -hmm. a law that they was thinking about dealing with from Orangeburg, South Carolina, this guy. That's the stop we come from. And and, and for me, I feel like I got a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. I mean, you know, when he died, he was empty. His tank was empty. Mm. And we have to understand and look at ourselves every day and say, am I going hard enough that when I leave here, that I'm not half full? Right. You know, our testimonies um, and that's why I, that's why I'm back and forth about this book is you know, our testimonies are not for us. It is for somebody else to understand what they can overcome. And exactly. so for me, that's my battle. though. You know, I'm like, God, you know, I don't hide that from people. I tell people I was a womanizer and I did all of this stuff. I did this. I ran the street and all of that. But it's the recovery. From that, it is what you become. What did that time teach you? What ability did it give you? Because let's see, now I can be out somewhere and I can see a guy and a lady talking and I can tell you if that's his, his lady or not. Wow. And I can, you know, but then I'm scared like, God, I don't want to go over there and deal with this dude. I'm 50, i don't want to fight nobody. I don't want to shoot nobody. I ain't got time for all this. Blood, but I know that his wife. I know he's not. You know, and so, um, so that's why I'm kind of a little apprehensive on it. My son's you know, them jokers, they, they write it. Just write the book, man. Let, yeah. let people deal with it how they deal it'll be with
0: it. Huh? I said, it'll be a great book.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I may write it. A lot. I write a lot of my books from a narration standpoint, like where I'm guiding the reader, right? Kind of through. Because I believe, sort of like the Bible, you can't sit and just read the Bible straight through like it's a book. You have to find out what's connected, where what does this mean? What does that mean? And so it's one of those where I really have to think out and plot and, and make sure I have a good concept map so people can understand why this fits and where and why this happens here. So
0: that's understandable. And I see that Don um Raspberry said he just found your first two books on Amazon and he purchased them because
1: <laughs> I see you because what's up? <laughs> Yeah, my
0: family,
1: uh, we're we're all starting to learn each other. Our family is pretty big and kind of spread out. We're not the family that always celebrate together because everybody's everywhere. We're in New York, we're in Jamaica, we're all over. But it's good to see that they still support.
0: Right, absolutely, absolutely. This is a wonderful thing that you have done and that you are doing and that you're gonna to continue to do. This is amazing. Um, this whole segment today was very touching, very knowledgeable for me because a lot of it I did not know. Um, it yeah, my sister said very eye-opening. It's a lot of things that we aren't aware of and that we do need to teach our children. So I appreciate you and I thank you for coming on and sharing your journey with us and with this the bird black history. I'm wild. I I still don't know what to say because I did not know we had that many successful people come out of Orangeburg. I just didn't know that.
1: And they're still coming. Um, I just for me, I did not have to tap into our younger generation to make sure I know who all the younger folks are so that we can put them in there and give them their flowers um, because they did their part. They did their thing. You know, one young lady that I'm very interested to learn about is Brittany Sumter. Um, she played basketball at O.W. She was one of the what they call the queen brunettes. Um, and just to hear what she did in high school. This this girl was phenomenal. She was amazing. And I just want to follow up with her because a lot of times with women, their stories in there. You don't hear everything that's went on. Right. You know, uh, my classmate, Don Bradley, was that queen brunette, but we was in school together. So I would always hear how she's on the USA, this team, or she's this good. And then to see her transition to her business life and education and help folks through um, uh, what they call it, uh, the the summer programs for the students, uh, Upward Bound and all that for Georgia, she's like the big dog. And so I'm so proud of her that um, just her basketball skills is not what defined her. Um, she Absolutely.
0: evolved. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. That's amazing. Well, I thank you so much um, for taking the time out on this Sunday to, you know, just sit here and, and chat with me and give us some history that we needed. So I really appreciate that. Um, is there anything else before we um, conclude the segment that you would like to speak on, talk about anything else that you'd like to share?
1: Um, That that we all need to uh, take a apart in educating our youth, um, and, and I say our Black youth, but all of them, but in particular our Black youth, because a lot of them are not aware that they could ha- they could be the lineage of something that has been wildly successful all their lives. Right. Um, and uh, my goal is for every student in all of Orangeburg County Schools to have this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to see and know some to learn how to respect white people. Right. Right. But for some to, to educate themselves and say, man, you know what? If they did that, yep. then I know I could do it. Absolutely. yep,
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And see, that's the whole reason, um, that I started, you know, let's sip and talk with Freeman. We started with panels, open discussion, because I, I feel like people learn from one another. We see things from different perspectives. You know, and then you also motivate each other from your story. You know, so that's what, with this whole platform came from. So, as you were speaking, my wheels are turning like, yes, that's how I feel. You know, I feel like I want to help people through, you know, conversation, through sharing knowledge, through just putting it out there. So, yeah, um I feel like this is my calling. This is my passion. This is something I want to do. I need us to learn from each other. So, Absolutely. again, yeah, I thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. I hope you have a great day, a great work week, and you're amazing. Thank you you so
1: much, dear. We appreciate you.
0: Thank you. And as we always say on Let's Sit and Talk with Freema, peace and love.